If you can, go ahead and turn over to uh, Matthew chapter 6. I want to start with just something Jesus said that you might have caught in these previous lessons on prayer that make us question perhaps why we pray at all. Uh, but we're going to explore today this theme of if God already knows, why pray? God already knows what we need, why pray? Here in Jesus' teaching in Matthew chapter 6, uh, when he challenges them about not babbling on in prayers and not trying to uh, show off in public with their prayers, he says this in verse 6 of Matthew 6. He says, But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Verse 7, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Verse 8 now. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Think about that. I'm just going to read that last line again. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. I want you to think about this for a moment. And it's a good question to ask. If God already knows what we need, why does He still ask us to pray to Him? God already knows what we need. Why would He ask us to still pray? I tried to think of it from a parent's standpoint. Let's say, Chris, um, every morning, Oliver and Audrey just came to you. Are you going to have breakfast for us today? Chris, are you going to go to work? Every day. Like, you probably, and, and Chris, you'd probably be offended after a while. Like, hey, wait a minute. I'm your parent. <laughs> That's what I do. I make sure you're fed. I make sure that there's uh, money to take care of you. It almost might even seem as an insult if they came every day asking for food, right? Audrey, you probably say, That's strange. Mom and dad just kind of take care of that. Well, if God takes care of us and in his all-knowing nature, which makes part of what makes him God, already knows what he needs, why would he still want us to pray to him? That is a very valid question. Atheists think prayer is a useless or worthless exercise. There are many Christians that are frustrated with prayer, that because prayers have not been answered as they thought they should have been sometime in their past, they've more or less stopped praying altogether. Uh, you'd probably be shocked how many Christians, though they might pray little prayers, thoughts and prayers, you know, those kind of things now and then, but really do not pray to God because they really don't think it makes a difference because God is just going to do what God does, and he, he especially didn't do something when I really prayed a lot, and I don't want to set myself up for failure, and disappointment. I don't want to be asking things of him that he's already changed his mind about. And eventually prayer just kind of whittles away. God already knows why pray. This morning we're going to talk about understanding the importance of expressing our needs to God. I want you to think for just a moment before we go into these about this other thought. Just, I've never committed a sin while praying. I've never cursed at anyone. I've never thought about stealing, 
<laughs> I've never bought, done anything sinful while I'm praying. So there seems to be something naturally about prayer that may align our lives with where God wants it to be already. One person said, Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on his knees in prayer. Satan trembles when he sees the weakest Christian on their knees in prayer. And probably in your life, you've never sinned while you're praying. And probably you've been the strongest in your life when you've had a regular life of prayer or some type of consistent life of prayer because it's always kept you focused. And that might help you already begin to naturally answer this question we're going to explore today. That even though God already knows what we need, there's something that's done powerfully for us when we do pray. Where we should still pray even though He already knows what we need. That's what we're going to look at at the first part of this lesson. And then we're going to look at eight areas of prayer need, which constantly need our attention in prayer. But first of all, if God already knows what we need, why pray, understand that praying influences God's actions. Prayer or praying influences God's actions. Again, we're going to look at a lot of scripture today. If you just like to listen and soak them in as I read them, feel free you want to reference them on your own, you can for sure reference them when you get home because they're all right there on your paper today. But just look at this one very well-known text on prayer, and we see that it clearly influences God's actions. Verse 13, James 5. James says, Is any among you in trouble? Let them pray. If anyone is happy, let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. Verse 15, and the prayer offered in faith will make them well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. And then this last statement of verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Then it goes on, verse 17. Elijah was a human being even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. First of all in this text, there's a lot of complications about if anybody is sick, call for the elders, they will pour oil on their head, and, if, and the prayer offered in faith will make them well. If they've sinned, their sins will be forgiven. We could spend another lesson just kind of exploring this verse because there's some things that we're not quite sure because sometimes people haven't been healed or what happens if we don't have elders? What about this oil? Sometimes when there's complicated verses, I just kind of back away from them a little bit and try to see, well, what's the big message even though there's more things I could study? The big message that's repeated over and over again in this text is that prayer changes things. He says, verse 15, or 13, if anyone's in trouble, let them pray. Uh, if anyone's sick, 
uh, pray over them, anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer offered in faith will make them well. Uh, verse 16, pray for each other that they might be healed. And then the crowning statement, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That tells me that even though I may not know how prayer works, and God may not be speaking to me in a soft voice to tell me what things He's going to answer or not answer, when He's going to do something or when He's not, I do know that if I live the life He wants me to live, when I do pray to Him, those prayers are powerful and, what's the other one? Effective, exactly, Jimena. I don't need to understand exactly how God works in the universe and His timing and what situations He wants to let go on longer and, or why He doesn't heal some that I've prayed for or why He does others. I don't need to know. All I need to know as a Christian is the sheer exercise of faith and prayer if I'm living a godly life is powerful and effective. It's doing something in the spiritual realm. And that is good enough for me. Because I don't understand why certain prayers are not answered. I don't understand at times when little children are sick and people pray over them and they don't recover. Or why illnesses of the elderly at times are prolonged far beyond what I think is reasonable if we've been praying about them. And I don't understand at times why certain people struggle financially when they've been praying for a new job or they've been looking for a new opportunity and they're living a godly life. And I will unravel in frustration trying to understand all those things. What Scripture tells us is if you don't have to understand that. As the old saying goes, let God whittle on His end of the stick. He will take care of that. And His ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. All I need to know is that my prayers are powerful and effective. Yes, and we need to hear that again over and over again in our minds. Because at times we're not going to feel like praying. We're not going to want to. We're going to be tired. We're going to be sleepy. Or with me, I don't want to get up early to pray. I want to get uh, some more time in to sleep. But remind yourself that your prayer is powerful and effective. And this is... One thing that we can do in unlimited fashion. We may not be saved by works and we are truly saved by grace. That is God intervening through His Son. But He tells us to pray. Pray always. Pray in the Spirit. I mean, certain things don't earn our salvation, but certain things do bless our salvation. And prayer is right up there, along with obedience. You cannot pray too much. And when God says, right to us, it's powerful and effective. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Because he tells me it's that powerful. He gave an example of Elijah who prayed in one instance that it, it not rained on the land for three and a half years and it didn't. And then he prayed again after that three and a half years that it might rain and the rain came immediately. Uh, that's in the book of 1 Kings. Look that up. So God gives an example of it does have that effect. It, we don't, don't always see it or understand it. That praying influences God's actions. So keep praying for those that need change in their life. Or keep praying for yourself. For things that maybe you've not been answered in the time that you want. Keep praying. Keep trusting that God's working. Or there's a reason why things are 
happening the way they're happening or not happening the way you think they ought to be, there's a reason why that may be even for the best. Trust in that. Praying influences God's action. Secondly, praying reflects our devotion. Just staying with the same text. It says in verse 16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Um, one key of where you stand with God is are you praying? People that are actively involved in sin, whether it be a sinful relationship, a lifestyle, doing things without any conscience. <laughs> uh, we all commit sins of weakness and we struggle at times doing things we ought not to do. But usually someone that's just kind of given themselves over to addiction or they've given themselves over uh, to a lifestyle where they're just kind of doing what they want to do and being their own person and no one's telling them what to do, they're probably not spending a lot of time in prayer. Which means they're not really spending time in devotion to God because they know they're living an exact opposite lifestyle. And prayer would bother them. Prayer would get in the way. The one thing you can know that when you're praying genuinely and consistently with God, that most likely you're devoted to God at the same time. That's why you are praying. It's a good barometer of your spiritual life. I know in times of weakness in my life, times of rebellion, I've not been praying. Because praying just makes me feel guilty. <laughs> praying just reminds me of what I should be doing. That's the last thing I want to do. I don't want to be praying. I don't want to be reading my Bible. And for sure, I don't want to be going to church when I'm just living a life of rebellion. Because those things bother me if I'm trying to do the wrong thing. But prayer probably at the top because you just can't be doing something you know is wrong and not be wanting to do anything about it and still pray. They just are like oil and water. They just don't go together. So when you're praying regularly, you're trying, even if you're struggling with five minutes a day, which is great. You're going the right direction. You're, you're trying to be in God's favor. You might not have everything all worked out. Not everything is in full obedience probably, and you still have areas of growth. We all do. But I guarantee you, you're in the right trajectory. Sometimes with students at school, they got a lot of issues going on. But I'll talk to the principal or to my department head, and I'll say, well... With Jimmy, he's got this and that. He's got an attendance problem. He's tardy most of the time, but his life is in the right trajectory. We look at where it was last year. Or we look at what he did last week. And if he's turned it around, he's going in the right trajectory, the right direction. So praying reflects our devotion to God. It's a good thing. Keep it up. Again, think of a time have you ever committed sin while you're praying? Or when you're praying regularly, a little more difficult to commit sin because your mind is always thinking about what you just prayed to God about. Number three, praying is good for our peace. Philippians chapter 4, 6, and 7. Well-known text. I'll just read it. You'll, you'll recognize it right off the bat when I start reading it. Look what Paul tells the Philippians about prayer. He says in verse 6 of chapter 4, Do not be anxious about anything. Anything. That's what you read, Sarah, right? Anything. Not most things. He says, in the life of a believer, you don't be anxious or caught up in worry about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
verse 7 now. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is one of the most powerful and one of my most personally favorite texts. Um, look at what it says. First of all, do not be anxious about anything. Now, we can think about things. We can be concerned. In fact, there's a lot of things we ought to be concerned about. But the Lord does not want you as a child of His being stressed out about things you cannot control. He doesn't want you hooked on pills that are trying to handle the stress because you're trying to manage too much or you're too concerned about what might happen and you're glued to the news and, oh, what's going on? Another balloon is up there or, oh, another variant is out there with this. And he doesn't want you all consumed with that where your mind is just uh, consumed with things that you can't control or you can't sleep because you're over worried about things. Of course we have to plan and be prepared. We ought to... Be diligent about things. God always calls us to that, but He doesn't call us to just being stressed out where we're no good to anyone because we're always on edge and then we're destroying ourselves physically and spiritually. Prayer is a way we bring peace into our lives because we've turned everything over to the Lord. We're doing what we can do. Maybe we're trying to reconcile a broken relationship and we've sent a card and we sent a letter. We've tried making a phone call, but... Maybe that person doesn't want to talk to us. We can take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer, uh, Lord, please help this letter or this card or this call have a good effect. But right now I know this person just doesn't want to communicate with me. And then you can leave it there. And not be all worked up about, well, maybe next day they should be calling me or, well, this should be fixed in a week. You can let it go and go on. Elise and I were talking yesterday about how people at work remember things in different ways. With me at work, I have post-it notes all over the place. Because the minute I'm told I need to do something, I'll write it down on a post-it note so I can just leave it there and forget it. I don't want 10,000 things in my mind ruining my day. So I'll just write it on a post-it note, put it there. I'll look at it later, but at least I won't forget it. It's just a little way of me managing my thoughts. Well, with prayer, it's a big way of God managing our thoughts. We're taking things to Him. And He says here in verse 7, and the peace of God, and He says this, and which transcends all understanding. Don't try to figure it out. You just turn it over to God. Don't try to figure out what He's doing. Don't try to see God in every thing that you might see along the road. Oh, that's God doing this. Don't try to do that. Just let the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds. One reason why we pray is it's a protective measure. We know it's not all about us and how hard we work or do things or getting things right. We turn it over to the creator of the universe who cares about us more than anyone and who has the power to do something about the situation. And if he's not doing it right away, we know there's a reason why. That's all I need. Just knowing God knows about it. And if he's not acting, there's a reason why. A healing hasn't come instantly or, or there might be a financial struggle continuing or a broken relationship might not be fixed in five minutes. There's a reason why. Sometimes the best things come about through time where there's true healing or there's true repair of something. So praying is good for our peace. 
I can almost assure you, people that are stressed out, nervous Nellies, <laughs> nervous Neds, always on edge, are people that aren't praying. Because there's nothing guarding their hearts and minds. Because it's all about them. And God just is not in the picture in their mind. It doesn't have to be that way. Fourth, as a reason to pray, praying is desired by God. Luke chapter 11. We looked at this in length when we looked at the Lord's Prayer. But I deliberately skipped to save to a latter time some extensive teaching Jesus gave on why we should pray. Remember the disciples came to Jesus in Luke chapter 11. They asked him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples to pray. And he taught them what we call the Lord's Prayer. But then he went on to say a lot about praying in verses 5 through 13. Let me just read this. And it has to do with how much God, God wants us to pray. Right after the Lord's Prayer, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend and go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door's already locked, and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you because of the friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Let's just pause here. So someone calls late night, hey, I got a friend coming over and I got no food in the fridge. Can I borrow some of your food? I know you've been to Chick-fil-A and you got all kinds of chicken sandwiches in there. Can I borrow some of those? And the friend gets off the phone, I can't believe he's asking for this. I don't want to get up. My kids are asleep. But I can't believe he's asking. I'm just going to give it to him anyway. That's what Jesus says. If he, he says, if you do that for each other, you just do things out of, I can't believe they ask. You ever done that for someone? I can't believe they're asking for a ride. I can't believe they're wanting to borrow 10 bucks again. But you give it to them anyway. Jesus says, if you're doing that for people that you're frustrated with, he says, look at this. Look at verse 9. So I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. Those who seek, find. And those who knock, the door will be opened. Verse 11, which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil... Know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? What Jesus is saying here, even though there's some things we have to wrestle with, giving the Holy Spirit, things like that, what Jesus is saying overall is, boy, if you're doing things for people you don't even want to do things for, how much more is our Heavenly Father willing to do things for you and He loves you greatly and he's, he's just waiting for you to communicate with Him. Jesus says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who receives, um, uh, I'm sorry, for everyone who asks, they will receive. Those who seek, find. And those who knock, the door will be opened. It doesn't say ask and you'll receive in two minutes. It doesn't say knock and Instant answers will come by 5 o'clock. A lot of things are all based on God's timing because He knows what's best. 
But we are being told we at least need to ask. Don't just say, well, that's too little for God, or He doesn't care about that, or, you know, I prayed for that last week, and I didn't get that by Friday, and I'm not going to pray. Don't think that way. If you're giving 10 bucks to someone, you don't want to give 10 bucks to anymore. Because you're just doing it because of their shameless audacity to ask you. How much more, Jesus says, does your father want to do things for you because he cares for you as a child? He wants to give you good things. He wants to bless you. But at times he will do it in ways that you may not always figure out. But you still ask. You still ask. How much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit, the ultimate gift, to those who ask Him? God can control anything He wants. He made a world. He created human beings out of dust. But the one thing that God has chosen not to do is to force you to do the right thing. He's given us free will. Where we can choose to do right or wrong. If we choose to do wrong, we have consequences. He doesn't make you always do the right thing. He doesn't make you go to church every day. You can choose not to go. But when you choose to go, it means the world to Him. And the same thing is true with prayer. He doesn't want a bunch of forced prayers. What kind of prayer is that? Where you had a gun to your head and you prayed. But prayer is something that you give from your heart. Where you set aside your time, your busyness, your other priorities, and you spend time speaking to someone you can't visibly see, who's not going to be communicating back to you verbally. That's an act of faith. It means the world to God because He knows how easy these be distracted or to say well, it's not worth it or God's just going to do His own thing anyway. He knows all your reasons not to pray. So that when you do, it's like the entire universe screeches to a halt. So God can simply listen to what you've expressed to Him that He already knows you need. But it means the world to Him that you're sharing it with Him. He's not going to force you to do that. Praying is desired by God. And if my heavenly Father who loves me more than anything wants that from me, I will give that to Him. And try to do it in ever-increasing measure. As we conclude, we're going to quickly, and I mean real quickly, go through eight things. If you're convinced, hey, I need to pray. And I should, and I'm going to turn around in my life of prayer, but I, I'm not really sure what I need to be focused on. Here are eight things. I'll give you the scriptures focus on at home uh, some of these we'll turn to some we won't but here's eight areas of endless prayer you can always do this in prayer number one is praise number one is praise the Apostle Paul in 1st Timothy chapter 6 verse 15 16 broke out in a prayer of praise and he, he said this at the very end 1st Timothy chapter 6 uh, verse 15 and 16 It says in verse 14, to keep this command without spot or blame until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which God will bring about in his own time. God, the blessed and only ruler, the King of kings, the Lord of hosts, who alone is immortal, who lives in unapproachable light, whom no one has seen or can see, to him be honor and might forever. Amen. Paul literally breaks out in praise to God. He's the creator. He's the Lord of lords, king of kings, the only ruler. He's immortal. He lives in unapproachable light. 
Boy, if you include that in your prayers, especially at the beginning, God, the creator of the world, you live in unapproachable light. No one's seen you, but I know you're there. That will shape your prayers. It puts everything in position. God, you're the creator, and I'm the created one. Your prayer cannot help but go well if you begin that way. Begin and praise your prayers. Number two, thankfulness. Uh, Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, make your petitions or requests be known to God with thankfulness. Now, prayers are not just like a wish list. Like I could, when my kids were little, they always wrote out little, their, their Christmas wish list. And they submitted it to mom and dad. Here's what I'd like to get. And that's nice and that's cute for kids. And even into their later teen years, they still did that because I asked for that. But prayer is more than a wish list. Probably before we should ask for anything. Be thankful for what you already have. Prayers he's already answered. He constantly calls us to be thankful because sometimes we forget how stable our lives really are when we have clean water, electricity, sanitation, medical care. We live in freedom in this wonderful country. We have a warm house. We have heat. We have, air, we have everything that some countries don't have at all. Look at Syria right now and Turkey and the way some are struggling after that earthquake. Makes you thankful for what you have. And all of a sudden, if you spend an amount of time being thankful at the beginning of your prayer, it's really hard to be complaining the rest of your day. Or maybe even your request will be kind of put in perspective. Because you realize how wealthy you are already with how God's taking care of some basic things. Be thankful. Along with expressing praise to God in prayer. Third, pray for physical needs. In 3 John chapter 3, verse 2, uh, John begins this very short letter to his friend Gaius, and he says in verse 2, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. He prays that his friend Gaius might be in good health and that all may go well with him. That's a great thing to pray for. Lord, help me continue to be healthy, especially as I get older. Help me to take care of the body you've given me. Protect me from harm or diseases or accidents. Don't ever take your physical well-being for granted. Pray for safety. Pray for a healthy body, a good checkout with the doctor. Keep going to the doctor. Don't just think God's going to just do things apart from you going to the doctor. But do all those things. Pray for your health. But notice he also says, I pray that it might go well with you. Pray that your job might continue to be stable. Pray that your income might continue to be solid. Pray that the relations with your neighbors might continue to be healthy. That's your those are your physical needs, and there's a host of them. Pray for those. That's a biblical thing. Uh, spiritual needs. Our number one spiritual need, even as Christians, is, is forgiveness of sins. But we are told by John in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that we are to confess our sins to God. Well, we confess through prayers. Confess means to speak the same. When you confess, you're basically admitting to God what He already knows you did, or what you thought, or the way you operated. It's important to Him that we acknowledge what we know we already did. We do that through prayer. So make sure, even if you're not always sure what you did, 
Make sure, Lord, I confess my sins to you, even the ones I don't know about, or the things I left out that I should have done. I confess my weakness in that area. That keeps you spiritually healthy. And God says he is just to forgive us of those sins and to continually cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we confess those sins to him. So pray for your spiritual needs. Paul said in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, he will meet all of our needs through Jesus Christ, physical or spiritual. Things we need with God are things we need just in operating normally in life. God will meet those needs, but we need to take those to him in prayer. He asks us to, and he will do his part in working them out. Spiritual growth is the next one. This is one we probably don't always think of because we're so wrapped up with our, our physical needs and just trying to get things to go right tomorrow. But look what Paul prays for. Verse 14, Philippians, I'm sorry, Ephesians 3. Sometimes we need to think on this level. Verse 14, he says, For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses all knowledge, that you might be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He's basically saying, I pray to the, for you Ephesians that you might fully grasp how much God loves you and how much He's willing to work out in your life as you give yourself to Him. We don't often pray that for others, let alone for ourselves. We're just trying to get through tomorrow. But sometimes set aside time in prayer, Lord, help me to see how much You love me. Help me to see how much potential I have to serve You in the community in which I live or in this world in which You've given me. Help me to see all that you are, have done for me, all that you are doing for me, and all that you will do for me. Help me to see that, Lord, because I get caught up with the television and what it tells me is important. Pray for your spiritual growth that you might be a deeper and stronger Christian. Next, pray for guidance. James chapter 1, verse 5. <clears throat> James says this, If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must not, or you must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by with the wind. Those who doubt should not think they'll receive anything from the Lord. They'll double, they're double-minded and unstable in all they do. We're going to talk more about that in a couple of weeks, about problems with prayer, about doubting, but praying anyway. Uh, I mean, doubting in the sense of, ah, God's not really going to do this. I'm just going to talk and say this to him. But he does say this. If you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives generously to all. If you're not sure about, boy, is this, is this career path that involves a lot of temptations the right thing for me? Is this decision with my money, is this greed talking in my life, or is this 
actually an opportunity for a blessing, and you're not quite sure. God's saying here, ask me about it. Don't go to Aunt Mildred first in Milwaukee and see what she thinks. Don't go down to Barnes & Noble and look through all their magazine sections and see what, that, what Cosmopolitan might be telling you about that person. Don't go to those places. Go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I don't really know what this new financial situation means for me. I don't know if it's going to be a blessing or a curse that I came into this money. Or Lord, I don't know really what to do with this person at work that I struggle with. I don't know if I should quit the job or I should stick with it. I don't know. But Lord, give me wisdom. Help me to see clear. And Lord, give me patience so when that person says something that triggers me, I might handle it appropriately. Help me to see the long run, Father. Help me to see out farther than Friday <laughs> about what to do in my life. That's praying for wisdom. God says to do it, and it will be given to you. You'll, you'll give it. But if you panic, and you get on the phone, or you talk to coworkers about everything first, and then you forget to talk about God, or to God about it, you might experience trouble longer than you <laughs> would have otherwise. Take it to God in prayer. Restoration. Uh, James chapter 3, verse 14 talks about if someone has committed sin, uh, the prayer offered in faith will make them well or they will be forgiven. Again, trust that when you take something to God in prayer, Lord, I've lived a prodigal life, or what I did last weekend was way out of the realm of what you want from me, or what I said to that person that made me mad, I know was sinful. God says, just take it to me in prayer. And I will be just to forgive you. God doesn't put us on probation. He doesn't make us prove ourselves. He doesn't put us on a three strikes and you're out program to, well, you better not do it again. Three times, I don't forgive anymore. After. He never does that. He just says, confess to me what I already know. And I'll be faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Our God loves forgiveness. It's what he does. He seeks to forgive, but if everybody clams up and won't tell him what he already knows, it's hard to forgive. In fact, he will not if we are stubborn and rebellious. So pray for restoration in your life. Pray for others. Uh, Ephesians, this is uh, number nine. I'm sorry, number six. My numbering is correct. Uh, Ephesians uh, chapter six. Uh, Paul says this. Verse 18, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Pray that I might declare it fearlessly as I should. Here Paul was, Paul was praying, pray for other people, pray for your fellow believers. And he says, pray for me. I go city to city and people want to throw rocks at me just for telling them the truth about Jesus. Pray that I might keep on saying what I need to say and do it boldly. Paul valued the prayers of other people and we ought to value the prayers of others. Amen. And we ought to value them enough to pray for them. And we take prayer requests or we write down things we know about. And people a lot of times at home will have prayer lists, people they know they ought to pray for. That's a sign of your love for them and belief that God will work in their life to bring about what is best. 
The last one, global concerns. <laughs> uh, sometimes our world can get kind of small, and our, our lives certainly have a lot going on. But sometimes we do need to step away and see big, the big picture of, of things that are going on in the world. And these are the things that we will see on the news. And I know a lot of people that watch the news and they're a little rattled. One more balloon <laughs> comes over the United States. Uh, th those things, we don't know what's going on a lot of times. We want answers. We, we see a lot of heartbreak on TV in the news. We don't know what Russia's going to do next. What's up, what's up with China? What are, what, are they, what are they thinking? And we get concerned. Is this the beginning of a world conflict? Is this a sign that things are going to get rough soon? We don't know. But here's what Paul tells Timothy to do. He says, I urge you, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving may be made for everyone. Then he says, verse 2, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Here Paul tells Timothy, make prayers for everyone, but then he includes verse 2, for kings and all those in authority. That means presidents, rulers of other countries, military leaders, those in authority. That we might what? Live a peaceful and quiet life. God doesn't want us stressed out about weather balloons. That could they be spy satellites? Or whatever it could be. Just pray to God. Pray that there might be peace. Your job is to not figure out the balloons or, or to figure out what Putin's next move in the Ukraine is going to be. We don't know. But we can take those things to God in prayer. Lord, work in the lives of these leaders. Help them to look for peace more than conflict. Help them to act with reason and wisdom rather than reckless emotion. Help countries to take moves that de-escalate problems rather than escalate them. As a teacher, I'm taught constantly how to de-escalate things with students, not make them worse. Yep. <laughs> I'll go. You send me, I'll go. All right. Yes. So even though we, we're not in Washington until Austin sends me, um, and I don't know how I'm going to get a hearing with the president, I can do something far more powerful. I can pray. Pray that our president, pray that leaders of the world, and they convene or work independently, they might do the right thing. Paul says to Timothy, this is good and pleases God our Savior. We have too much on our plate to get caught up in world affairs that we can't control, but take them to the Lord in prayer. God will work as He sees fit, and we're doing our work by praying about it. So these are eight areas of needless prayer. And we looked at why we should pray even if God knows already. It influences Him. It's good for us. It pleases Him. We are blessed when we pray. And there's things to pray about. This is something that God says there is no restriction on how often or how much you pray. Let's give ourselves fully to it and allow God to work on His end to bring about His will in this world.
We're going to sing a song in just this moment to encourage us to live this godly life that God's called us to. To live a worthy life. To take on sin and its challenges, but also to take on good and its opportunities. To pray that we'll see things that God wants us to see, that we'll be thankful for things He wants us to be thankful for. And that we'll do what He wants us to do. With all of our heart, soul, and our mind. May God bless us and may our time that is so precious today that we spent together be lived out now and may we take all the things that we've engaged in, the communion, the songs, God's teaching, may they all work as we leave now that we live faithful, dedicated lives. But 